Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Whether you're just looking to stay warm during a hunt or need maximum concealment, the clothing you wear can make or break a hunt. At MidwayUSA.com, we understand hunting clothing has come a long way with more meticulously crafted camo patterns, advanced scent control technologies, and weatherproof options to withstand the elements. Hunters have to wait until their favorite season, but shouldn't wait on gear, which is why Midway USA offers super fast shipping. When you're ready for your next system, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Hunting boots are a critical component of any successful hunt. Whether walking a short distance to your blind or trudging miles through rugged terrain, your feet are carrying the load. Without the right boots, you could give up early and lose out on that trophy just over the ridge. At Midway USA, we make selecting boots for your next hunt easier. With just a few clicks of a mouse, you can decide on what's important, like waterproofing, insulation, size, width, and savings. For just about everything for shooting, hunting, and the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. From the nation's capital, this is the Fly Fishing Consultant Podcast with your host, Rob Snowett. Thank you for downloading my podcast. My name is Rob Snow White, and this is my fly fishing consultant podcast. The sun just came out. They say we've had probably 16 inches of rain so far in August. Everything is flooded and wet, so I'm the inside today podcast. This is part two of Iridescence in Nature. This is the Iridescence in Fly Time podcast. Be sure to visit robsnowwhite.com for up-to-date guiding hours, flies for sale. I've got Great Lake salmon and steelhead fly tying selections ready to be mailed and much more. Be sure to share Waypoint TV with your friends. Subscribe to this podcast on iTunes and leave me a comment. Lance reached out to let me know of some broken links. Lance, he's going to be rewarded by a beautiful fish the next time he goes fishing. And I want to thank past advertisers and supporters of this podcast. In no particular order, we have Solo Stove, Hatch Outdoors, Sweetwater Brewing, Dry Fly Distilling, Filson, Buff, Speedwell Law, Risen Fly, the Virginia Fly Fishing Festival, Ioba Foods, Sea Run Cases, Montana Mex, Traeger, Corkers, Tie Wheel, and Olympic Peninsula Skagic Tactics. And I'm actually wearing my OPST black t-shirt right now. It's a comfy one. It matches my black pants. Let's get on with this podcast. So today, we are going to dive into fly tying materials. So what I'm going to talk about today are the terms used in the fly fishing industry. That's right. We as fly anglers use different terms than other people. And I'm sure if you're a golfer or you play tiddlywinks or you are a badminton expert, you have a vernacular that is different from other sports and hobbies. So we're going to separate some of those today. Remember, we use strike indicators instead of bobbers. 
We're going to talk about the history of synthetic iridescence. We're going to talk about natural iridescent materials and synthetic iridescent materials and the flies utilizing iridescence. So when I show up to school to pick my kid up and someone says, hey, there's something on your face. It's sparkly. Well, that's usually because I'm tying shad flies and I'm using a lot of iridescent material. And when I trim it, little specks come off and they get all over me and they'll end up on my face. And when the light hits me, you see this from a different angle and the light changes. That is the iridescence in the material. I'm usually covered in fly tying material. You can go anywhere in my house and probably find some kind of feather piece of yarn, foam, something that either sticks to socks or shoes or my pants or whatever. And then I leave my office and it falls off somewhere. I am a constant vacuumer. In fact, I just fixed my Mila vacuum. I ordered a new motor. I like to repair, not replace. And I figured out the proper pronunciation of the company is Mila when I called. So I have to vacuum a lot in this house. Why use iridescent materials in fly tying? Well, there's two things. There's subsurface and there's above surface. Below surface, it's maybe for us to see the fly. If I'm guiding a client and there's iridescence in the fly and the fly disappears, I can tell them to set the hook because a fish most likely ate it. I can see that reflective iridescent color. Or for me, if a fly disappears, I set the hook. So most of these are gonna be for underwater where fish can see them from about 360 degrees. However, a dry fly, most of them are not gonna utilize iridescence. And plus, when you hold things up to the sunlight, they're gonna be a different iridescence than they are, say, here in my office. Things lit by the sun above are gonna be completely different than something that's lit underwater. So we will use iridescent materials as ciders on the top of flies. When that little caddisfly of mine is floating down the stream and there's a little speck of iridescent mylar on top, I can just twitch that fly a little bit and it lights up and I know exactly where it is. And one of those words I use today is gonna to be important. We want the fly to stand out for the fish to see as well. We have to make it that much different, make the fish curious. I spent the weekend in Jersey watching pigeons and seagulls at the beach. They are no different than fish. Watch a seagull or a pigeon. It's gonna go and pick up absolutely everything with its beak because it has no hands to determine if that thing is edible or not. Fish do the same thing. A lot of the flies they spit out are because they bite them and they realize it's not a food item, just like when a seagull drops things. Those crazy seagulls were going after people's stuff when they were in the water. They were picking up socks. They were flopping towels around. It was pretty crazy how aggressive those seagulls were. Some crazy swamp turkeys up at the Jersey Shore. There's always things floating downriver, and a fish always has to put these things in its mouth to determine if it's edible. So it's not just in curiousness of the fish, but we need to increase the random chance that that object you're floating downstream or across a still water will be picked up amongst all the other flotsam and items in the water. You thus have to make your fly stand out somehow. And one way we do this is iridescence. So terms used in the industry, if you're going to be fly shopping at a bin, you're going to see the terms sparkle, flash, or flashback. That pretty much covers what any fly with flash. And I've got flies here to go through later. And here's another one. So all together. Okay. Iridescence naturally is used to avoid predation. You learned that in the last podcast. If you didn't listen to that one first, pause, go back, listen, resume here. We want our flies to be eaten. 
it sounds rather counterproductive. So we tie these materials in to stand out against the background and everything else in the water and to be noticeable. Are we taking advantage of insect and fish defensive mechanisms to catch fish? Absolutely. So who's the first one that introduced natural iridescent materials to flies? It's probably somebody way back in the Mideast 2000 years ago. Who was the first person to introduce synthetic materials into flies? I have no idea. I was unable to find that. Maybe you can have an answer for me. I don't know. But for flash, we show the fish what they are not supposed to see. They're not supposed to see things lighting up underwater. Things are supposed to be a little more cryptic. So we're going to have things light up. I don't know too many people that use iridescent materials at night because there's not enough ambient light to reflect. But during the day, we're going to use those synthetic materials for the fish's eye. We would also need to have a natural background that that organism is not supposed to blend into. So if you put something green against a red background, it's going to stand out. So we need to have something that clashes with its background so it will not blend in. And thus, a fish should theoretically see it. This is all theoretical because we don't know what fish are actually thinking. We just surmise that fish are going after these things because of specific items in the fly. When it turns out, really, fish are just stupid organisms that really just have to try everything and put it in their mouth before they eat it. They're just like babies. So theoretically, if it stands out, fish are going to eat it, and we need flies that stand out against those backgrounds. Now, not everyone wants a flashy fly. Some prefer a more drab or natural color fly. Some prefer flies with no flash in them. So does iridescence even matter? That's all in our heads. Should it be a subtle wrap or a speck on the back? Or should a lot of the flies have iridescent materials? That's your personal opinion or your guides. Why tie iridescent material? Is it for the angler or the fish? Things we tie in are going to be indicators. Something you can see from far away. A hot spot. Why not make the entire thing a hot spot, right? You want your fly to stand out against everything else. You also want to match the hatch and make that fly look natural without overdoing possibly the iridescence. So you want a flashy fly to get the attention of a fish quickly, or you're either trying to anger them and upset them and making them go out of their way to bite something to move it because it's flashy and bright and they just don't like it. Thus, you have certain patterns that intrude in a fish's space. Industry items, holographic, prismatic, pearlescent, opalescent. Holographic is a term used throughout industries, but in fishing, we use it specifically. The holographic is defined as an effect created with the vivid use of light to highlight areas. Holographic products are most likely to have a rainbow effect or a full view of the color spectrum when the material is in light. It sparkles like a rainbow. Anything that sparkles like a rainbow is termed holographic. Iridescence is the opposite. It shows two to three colors. So holographic is a type of iridescence, but more colorful. Holographic vinyl, which is used in many things, was a precursor of polyvinyl chloride or PVC. A holographic item breaks the spectrum of light and the same fleck of glitter will reflect the whole spectrum of the rainbow. Iridescence is reflective and glittery, but only one to two colors, so it appears to glow. Prismatic is dichroic, D-I-C-H-R-O-I-C, meaning of a crystal. Prismatic is showing different colors when viewed from different directions, or more generally, having different absorption coefficients for light polarized in different directions. 
It is formed by refraction of light through a prism. The colors you see when white light goes through a prism. It's formed, separated, or distributed by an optical prism or something acting as one. Pearlescent is pearl-like with a pearly luster, either in color or luster, while iridescent is producing a display of lustrous rainbow-like colors. Pearlescence is a related effect where some or all the reflected light is white, where iridescent effects produce only other colors. The term pearlescent is used to describe certain paint finishes, usually in the automotive industry, which produces iridescent effects. The term pearlescent pigment derives from natural pearl and mother of pearl. These materials comprise layers that reflect some light while remaining translucent enough to allow light to pass further below the surface. Light is reflected to reach the observer from several layers, including the top layer, creating a lustrous appearance of reflected light and depth. Opalescent is exhibiting a milky iridescence like that of an opal, while iridescence is producing a display of lustrous rainbow-like colors, prismatic, having a play of lustrous rainbow-like colors, or showing many small points of shifting color against a pale or dark background. The term corrugated is not used much, but that is a term used for crinkled flash materials. Things that are straight and flat are not corrugated. When they're crinkly, they're corrugated. So how is iridescent synthesized and where did it start? And who does this stuff? The iridescent look can be accomplished by using laser hologram printing technology on PET or polyethylene terephthalate film. The micro-embossed grooves cause diffraction of normal white light into stunning spectral colors. Just remember, iridescence is a structural non-pigmentary color. Iridescence is popular today because of technological advancements. Without the advancements in materials used to create these effects, prismatic colors would not be as popular as they are today. When light hits a surface, stacked light waves bounce out in different directions. With iridescent products, it comes down to reflective effects of iridescence, like an oil slick or diffraction of light, like on a CD or DVD, or structural, like in the Morpho butterfly. The earliest type of the iridescent process that was used until the invention of plastic was a glaze placed over surfaces that people wanted to stand out. The technological advancements not only created the interest of iridescent material, but made it easier to develop on multiple products. Lusterware, created in the 9th century, is either a porcelain or pottery product with a metallic glaze that gives off an iridescent effect. There are many products in history that show an iridescent effect when in the light. In the 1950s, a chalice from ancient Rome was recovered in an exhibition. It's called the Lycurgus Cup. It is a chalice that changes colors in certain lighting. It also changes color when certain liquids are filled inside the cup. It could have been used as a poison detection device or for show. Recently, it has been examined under a strong microscope uncovering traces of silver and gold on the exterior of the cup. The flecks are so small that it was capable to cause a color change in the chalice. DuPont creates mylar in the 1950s. While the term mylar is typically used when referring generally to plastic film, mylar is actually the name of a popular polyethylene tetraphthalate PET film from DuPont, Tejin Films. Mylar is technically BOPET, biaxillary-oriented polyethylene terephthalate. The spin-off of lusterware is carnival glass. It is an iridescent glass molded and pressed into various shapes. It has a high metallic shine like lusterware, 
metallic salts are added into the kiln process to make the iridescent effects. Most of the glassware was made between the late 1800s and the early 1900s. Post-1950s, synthetic material, either a fabric dye or an actual material used in a product, were becoming more readily available to the public. New dyes made more vibrant and different patterns for products within the era. Originating in California in the 1960s and 70s, the light and space movement was concerned primarily with the use of light and geometric objects in creating ethereal environments that affect the viewer's perception. Post-1970s, the art movement used translucent transparencies or reflective materials to create form and explore the voids of space within an area. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit Tacovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Laser discs. Laser discs were invented. Disco clothing utilized iridescent effects were all to capture the motion of dancing under the lights and disco balls. Glam rock continued to use iridescence in clothing. The 1980s. Hedron Inc. Founded in 1982, the company quickly saw the need to add flash to flies as a means of improving the fly fisherman's productivity and ingenuity. Hedron added a synthetic accent that caught and reflected light to traditional marabou feathers to reap a better catch. This discovery led to the birth of Flashaboo and Hedron Inc. Opened its doors for business in 1982 as Flashaboo Inc. This marabou flash instantly kicked off an industry-wide craze. Flashaboo's super-strong metallic fibers were soon a part of flies and lures everywhere. Manufacturers added the flash to their fly patterns. And individuals for whom tying was a hobby, an art, and a passion had a whole new world opened up to them. Flashaboo set the industry standards and led the way for numerous imitators and countless product variations. Today, the original genuine Flashaboo is joined by a complete line of synthetics, for the enthusiast, including glow-in-the-dark flashaboo, holographic flashaboo, saltwater flashaboo, flashaboo accent, big polar fiber, polar flash, wing and flash, and a variety of other products. By 1990, the company was developing and manufacturing products that went beyond the industry and was quickly becoming a major source of raw materials to the jig and spinning industries as well. It became increasingly clear that to expand the company's reach in the general fishing community, a name change was in order. That year, the name was officially changed to Hedron Inc. Loosely speaking, Hedron means geometrical figure having a specific combining of form. Flashaboo is not mylar. 
It's referred to as a metallic yarn or metallic film. Mylar is a brand name by the DuPont company. In the 1990s, iridescence was even more popular with makeup, nail polish, glitter, and metallic iridescent garments became popular among teenagers and young adults. One such material called foil or hologram foil was introduced. Foils utilized in club kid clothing in New York City. The foil effects were usually made with mica powders adhered to them with a top coat. Foil stamping and heat transfer. The use of mica powders made this particles to be smaller, more refined and more colorful. The mica powders were made of silicate. Mylar is a misnomer in the market. Everything is called Mylar, even though it may not be that material or that brand, especially to the manufacturers of iridescent fly tie materials. Don't call another brand Mylar if it's not. The true genetic terms for this material are either polyester film, polyester sheets, or plastic sheet. Mylar, again, also known as bow pet, biaxillary oriented polyethylene tetraphthalate. A polyester film made from stretched polyethylene tetraphthalate, PET, is used for its high tensile strength, chemical and dimensional stability, transparency, reflectivity, gas and aroma barrier properties, and electrical insulation. Polyester film plastic sheets are manufactured in a range of different styles. Polyester film plastic sheets are manufactured in a range of different styles, finishes, and thicknesses. Bopet film was originally developed in the 1950s, originally by DuPont, Imperial Chemical Industries. The term Mylar is presently a registered trademark of DuPont. Because polyester film is less permeable to gases than other plastics, it is often favored in the food packaging industry. When used as a laminate, e.g. aluminum foil, polyester, it provides increased shelf life and freshness, as well as an excellent barrier against moisture and gas, notably oxygen. Those are going to be things like your shiny Dorito wrappers. Vacuum metallization, also known as thermal evaporation, is the most common PVD physical vapor deposition process used to apply metal alloys under vacuum. Where polyester film is concerned, aluminum is vaporized inside a vacuum chamber and then bonded to a polyester sheet to achieve a uniform metallized layer. This process produces the silver-colored material often incorrectly referred to as mylar by consumers, while the appropriate term is metallized polyester. The PET film can vary in flexibility paired with a different base material you can achieve a different feel and look. This light deflecting film can be applied to a different array of materials, ranging from the more high-end material plastics such as TPU. The PET film can vary in flexibility. Paired with a different base material, you can achieve a different feel and look. This light deflecting film can be applied to a different array of materials, ranging from high-end materials and plastics. PVC, natural or synthetic fabrics like neoprene, down to most cost-effective materials like non-woven PP. Ha ha, Snow White said PP. Favorite materials that I like to incorporate. Now we're going to get into fly tie materials. These are the favorite natural materials. Basic birds, nothing too exotic. And these are mostly male birds. I'm a big fan of black iridescent rooster tails. That is one of the key ingredients in my bacon fly. I like guinea fowl feathers. Even though they're mostly buried in my steelhead flies, they have a slight sheen of iridescence when they are in bright light. Peacock curl. 
You cannot get a more naturally iridescent material than peacock. Peacock curls are used in numerous flies, anything from brassies to elk hair caddises. They are extremely versatile, and you really cannot get a more natural-looking buggy material. Hands down, everyone will agree. I love ringneck pheasant tails. The cocktail feathers on a ringneck pheasant are beautiful. I have this one in front of me, and it has copper and black, and then you go to the tips, and there's this maroon lavender iridescence that goes from the base up until it kind of loses color. You can never have enough good pheasant tails on hand. I will not pass up the opportunity when presented with pheasant tails being handed out. I will take as many and I will grade them and I will select the ones with that iridescent burgundy claret to lavender to periwinkle that I can get. It's absolutely beautiful. And then Lady Amherst tail. Again, something I lightly utilize. I will use very thin strips in some of my steelhead intruders, but that's about it. My favorite synthetic materials. And again, if you look around my office, there's a crazy amount of things. Not everything is labeled because I have the hanks on zip ties and those zip ties are stuck in pegboard. So I can look around and I've got so many things. I can go over, but I made a list and we'll go through them. I think it's mostly alphabetical. Uh, I love body tube and braiding. You can make anything from classic ghost flies to white death to uh, barracuda flies with synthetic tubing, uh, crazy legs. These are going to be a silica based material that has iridescent flex put into it. I mentioned earlier with the club kids seeing how iridescent flex and glitter became a thing. So now you have that in silicone legs that I utilize in fly tie. This one is pumpkin color. It has orange iridescent reflective on a brown and orange silicone with black flex in it. Crystal chenille. I mean, you can't get a better little shad woolly bugger material than crystal chenille. It's a synthetic yarn with iridescent flash woven into it dubbing the person who came up with ice dub in peacock got very close i'm still looking for the most perfect synthetic peacock and i'll list some things but ice dub is absolutely amazing it is multiple fibers of different iridescent dyed in a package and that when it hits the light it will reflect the specific color of the dye job so I have olive here and chartreuse just sitting on my desk. But if you hold it up to the light, olive kind of turns pink. And chartreuse kind of turns greenish white. So what it's supposed to be in C2 is not what it is in Vivo. But I love Ice Dub. It is probably one of the best synthetic iridescent materials you will modernly come across. Uh, Estaz, you're not going to get a better material than glisten gloss. The first time I came across glisten gloss was at Sarah Bokel's 18th birthday in high school. And I still remember driving there in my Honda Accord, the green machine, and I had no fog lights and I could barely get a mile and a half down the road. But somebody brought her a present wrapped in white Estaz. And I saw that and I've heard this, I've said this many times on previous podcasts. That was one of those light bulb moments of fly time material. I'm holding a pink Estaz piece right here 
And it is just a yarn that is made up of iridescent strands. And you can have a myriad of uses for Estas. If I could have skeins of a thousand yards of these, I would. Flashaboo, we mentioned that is Flash Marabou, and I use Flashaboo in many kinds. Original Extra Limp is sitting here on my desk in color 6926. It's Tinsel Flash Marabou Action, winging material for jigs and streamers. Hedron ink, and I can't see where the address is. So I use this in my popper tails right now. And again, if you want the specific die jobs and numbers of these, you're gonna have to go either to the Shad or Bass Fly Tie material podcasts or YouTube videos. But I use a lot of Flashaboo. Holographic tinsel is another thing. I have these itty bitty little spools. I'm gonna use these holographic made in USA tinsel spools as wrapping materials on bodies and shanks of hooks, which I think Lance Egan pretty much made a, a novel approach of using it. But I'm also gonna use this on little flashbacks on my nymphs, hare's ears, HNIC, pheasant tails, etc., stone flies, my carp bugs, my jumbo johns. I have this in just, I've got 60 spools of this stuff in just like every pearlescent, flashy color, ultra wires in there too. Let me move that out of the way and read. So these are like hollow medium tinsels, flashback large tinsels. I've got, what is this one? Large hollow tinsel silver. I've got Danville holographic tinsel, 20 yards in every color of the rainbow you can imagine. Those are down here. Plus all these little ultra wires, they're not specifically iridescent, but they do have a reflective color. The change doesn't really color based on the viewing angle, but I've got piles of this stuff. There are iridescent textured uh, faux dichroic film foils you can find online iridescent textured faux dichroic film foils. That's basically what Bill Skilton used 20 years ago when I would buy his materials when they were available. Korean scrub yarn is material you're probably not going to come across. I get this at the Korean grocery store. Instead of being a 360 degree spiral of iridescence like Estaz, this is just one strand. It sort of looks like a hackle feather with both sides of the feather bent over the stem and it's in a myriad of colors it's indestructible and i can tie numerous patterns with that krennic flash is a synthetic metallic tinsel for adding sparkle and light reflection to the tails and wings of many flies krennic flash is unaffected by salt water or epoxy finishes yet is flexible enough to be mixed with marabou enhancing its action on the water the most notable fly made with Krennic around here is going to be the Crelex. I just happen to have Krennic Flash in the Tube 005HL Black High Luster sitting on my tying desk. This is a crinkly, metallic-y, lustered synthetic that is, again, indestructible and can be used in a myriad of fly tying materials. That was not originally intended for fly fishing. Chuck Kraft's wife, I believe, was using these in some kind of arts and crafts, and then he inter integrated those into his flies. An entire new type of fly tying design was created. If I hadn't mentioned this one before, this is my most used flash material. It comes in strips that are stapled to a piece of cardboard. This is from Melinda's Fly Shop. This is Flashaboo Mirage. And Flashaboo Mirage is by far the most realistic 
fish minnow tone you've ever seen actually adapts to the color of its surroundings, giving the illusion of a real fish, our best imitation of any bait fish or forage in fresh or salt water fools even the wariest predator into thinking it's real, combines Flashaboo's reflective qualities with color-shifting technology to create something. I don't have the bottom of this, but I use this regularly, and it sits right here on its own peg on my closest fly-tying pegboard on the wall. Crystal Flash. Man, I've been using that for years since I first saw it at the Angler's Lie years ago. I started off with pearlescent. I mostly use multicolor now in my Snow White Damsels original material in clouds or minnows and it's just one of the greatest twisty fibers you can also stretch it and flatten it out but crystal flash man you can't go wrong with that there's also crystal flash chenille produced by hairline which is another 360 degree spun yarn with iridescent material built into it lateral scale is that material i mentioned earlier that has the crinkle to it so it, it is crinkled and I use lateral scale in most of my clousers, and I use it a lot in my hobos. And I'll get into all this later with the flies that I use the materials on, but not specifically how they're used. Uh, mylar foil, you can't go wrong with mylar foil in numerous applications. That was the first thing I ever bought in a fly tying manner that was not intended for fly tying. That was at that gifts and party supply store in Tyson's Corner. The 1911 is one of the most iconic firearms in history. Designed by John Browning, the 1911 was the standard issue sidearm of the U.S. military from 1911 to 1985. While Colt produced the original, almost every major firearm company has produced its own version. It's wildly revered for its reliability, crisp trigger, and is still a favorite for all types of shooters. Whether you're looking to buy or build a 1911 and just about everything for guns, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Pearl core braid is another great material. This is used for me as tails on my splat rat or just as a simple worm, or you can use it as a caddis material. Pearl tinsel, again, is another type of synthetic flash. It can either come spooled or it may come on a card. Let's see, is this pearl flashback large tinsel? So my pearl tinsel is somewhere around here that I used. I don't know where. Here's a really cool thing. It's called Perdigonmania Iridescent Strips. Look it up. You're going to want to use them. Perdigonmania. Polar Flash. I use Polar Flash in everything from my itty-bitty terrestrial beetles down to pretty much all of my shad flies. A little bit in steelhead flies, but I use it in almost everything. Looking around my office, I have my original icicles. This is a strand, Walmart $1.57, 500 strands of 18 inches. These are holiday time. Caution pet owners, this product is not digestible. Causes severe gastric distress in small animals. Tarnish proof, flame resistant. Made in the USA. So it says iridescent. So this was the first sort of flash in a straight line I ever bought. And I still have this thing from 1996 from Walmart. Semperfly Peacock Quill Subs might be one of your best options. And you're going to look at Semperfly and they just have some of the most innovative materials out there on the market right now. You can go through their website and find more amazing things that you did not know existed that are coming from some very creative person sitting in a mad scientist room with a vice. 
Senyo's Predator Wrap. I love that stuff. I originally threw that in the wings of my cicadas, but stopped using it. It's great just for some accent little flashes on steelhead flies or any other thing where you might need some thin flash. Now, again, most of these are below surface. Glitter is something that you might use if you're making Solarez eyes in a mold. You'd put some glitter flex in it, add some of your Solarez, hit it with your light, pop it out, and you've got a 3D eye with iridescent glitter. Tinsel is another thing. That's a classic old one. Christmas tinsel on gold ribbed hare's ears, a lot of the older trout flies. But we still use a lot of tinsel in modern flies. I'm blanking at the moment. There'll be a list later. Um, I have another material here called Firefly Tie. I don't know what it is, but it's iridescent. I don't know where I picked it up. I can't really read the back of it. It's made in Irvine, Texas. Jemmy Industries. It is red iridescent on black cardboard so it's hard to read worldwide patent pending it's another one of the materials i have if i see something i'm usually just gonna buy it i don't know when i'm gonna need it but i will need it sparkle hair i think that's from orvis sparkle hair if it's the one i'm using i use the light blue in all of my clousers that blue sticks out better than any of the other iridescent materials it's not cheap it's five dollars a hank or i could be talking about new age hollow flash I think New Age Hollow Flash is this one, this really bright blue one. If you're on Instagram, you'll see it in my clousers. You'll see it in intruders. It's a kind of crunchy, thick, you can hear that, textured flash. And it's amazing stuff, absolutely amazing. And you find a lot of these in, you know, like my daughter's doll hairs. A lot of her dolls have this kind of flashaboo type material in them. For a while, I saw a couple women with flashaboo strands in their hair sort of a, a second take on the hackle feathers in the hair. Uni double-sided tinsel is another one of my favorite, absolute favorite materials. And I guess I'm gonna have to do a flash in nymphs or favorite nymph tie materials. So I've done bass fly and steelhead, and then that goes into a lot of them. It is the, the peacocky sheen to it that I really like. It's a buggy iridescence. Uni mylar single and two-tone spools, again, in peacock is my absolute favorite. UV Polar Flash, another great material. I use a lot in my fly tie materials. I don't specifically seek out ultraviolet materials. That's more for marketing. And then glass beads. You might have glass beads with iridescence in them from the craft store. Now, our local craft store closed, so I've not been in a craft store in months. But I'm assuming your craft store is also going to have some kind of glass beads with iridescence. Now, a really cool thing you can do is take a small nymph hook, put four or five of those on, take some of your solar as thin coat all around it, hit it with your light. Let's say you're using four green beads and a black one. Boom. You have an instant caddis larva and fish will absolutely crush them. I tried using the red and black headed one recently on the breaches with no love from the fish. So that's my list. Just looking around my office, I guess the flat, what is that stuff earlier? I, I mentioned pearl braid, the flat pearl braid I use in a lot of flies, uh, mainly just to wrap a body that you don't want to be bulky. What else? I mentioned UV polar flash. I use that in my, those are for my jig flies, my reapers. What else? I have a couple of threads with iridescence in them. Nothing particular. Wow. There's so much material in this room. It's crazy. I've got five, six, seven packs of Krennic. A lot of stuff, a lot of flashaboo, a lot of flashaboo mirage. Yeah, a lot of uh, a lot of stuff in here that's iridescent. It's pretty crazy. So now let's talk about the flies, modern 
traditional new age that are going to utilize iridescent materials. Oh, let's go down here. All right. So uh, most famous, yeah, Copper John, man, you can't go wrong. It's the number one selling nymph of all time. It's got a little iridescent flash on the back. And it's got that wire wrapping that's not theoretically iridescent, but it is reflective. Paradigons. I am not sold on paradigons at all. I'm probably mispronouncing it. I don't think that's really a fly at all. I think that's just something that just bounces along the bottom that is not going to snag. And it's basically like the white trash bag or rabbit that a greyhound chases around a track. It's just going downstream and bumping along and something eats it. I find them too streamlined and not buggy enough, but the technology materials going into the paradigon flies is miraculous. Now, if someone wants to take me out and fish paradigons, I'm all down. We'll do a podcast episode with you. But for me, it's not my thing, man. Just not. Joe Griesbaums and Joseph, if I'm mispronouncing your last name, don't sue me. He makes the Halo Fly, which you can find at that Elk Creek shop where I bought my cold bottle of Coke on Christmas three years ago. It is a 100% stiff material that he ties into his Halo Flies, and they're crazy looking. There's not much to them. It's, um, it's wild looking. Crystal Meth. I love crystal meth, the fly that is. I don't know why anybody would go out of their way and be like, you know what? I'm going to try crystal meth today. But the fly itself is amazing. And I used to have this yellowy orange color that hairline dyed and they switched. And oh my God, I leave my packs of orange out in the sun on my dashboard trying to bleach them. I may actually try to bleach them. That was my mentally number one steelhead egg pattern for years and might still be crystal meth flies buzzers man i mentioned the doritos pack earlier my friends in the uk phil he's going to use crisp bags and he's going to use the iridescent outsides for the cheeks on his buzzers pretty amazing stuff i love buzzers i don't fish them enough i don't tie them enough maybe i should do that next week i'm gonna have some more time when the pixie goes back to school fifth grade for those of you listening since 2010 was it 2009? 2010 is when I started this. Yeah. Before she was even here. I mentioned the Crelex, 100% flash. The Alaska Boo series is pretty much all like flashy material. It's all bright, flashy stuff. Jumbo John, that's the uh, bigger cousin of the Copper John. And again, I mentioned I like to use these flashback tinsels and the peacock colored uh, uni mylar on the back of those. The Mickey Finn, just another classic streamer. You had all those like ghost series flies. They're all either going to use a little bit of flash in the wing or a little bit of the mylar pipe and tubing in the body. The Snow White Damsel, my goodness. I just sent a whole bunch of those up to Shane and Jocelyn in Minnesota. They're hoping to get some walleye and some smallmouth up there. Yes. While we're giving out shout-outs, I want to give a shout-out to Sean in Chicago, who's constantly buying flies for me. So, Sean S., you are doing a great job. Uh, you're not sending me any pictures of those hooks and fish's mouths. So, let's hop on that, dude. Uh, Disco Midge, itty-bitty fly, one piece of crystal flash wrapped up. It That little itty-bitty accent might be just enough to make that fly stand out against all the real midge larvae in the water and thus more likely to get eaten. Excatus, Matthew's Excatus, you got that shuck coming off the back. There's your first dry fly of all these, I think. Yeah, it's your first dry fly. 
Flashback pheasant tail. My goodness. You are not going to get a more perfect nymph than a flashback pheasant tail. Now you throw a soft hackle on that and that might be the only trout fly I would really ever need to fish. Soft hackle, flashback pheasant tail. Wow. Beautiful, brilliant, absolutely stunning pattern that covers absolutely everything. Beetles. I use iridescence in my beetles to make them look more like a Japanese beetle. I might have a little bit of mylar sticking up the top because a beetle fly is usually pretty flat and you're not going to see it from 20 to 30 feet away. Now, I do use saltwater crystal flash as the leg material or splayed out wings. You cannot see that from a distance. That's more for the fish. And it just gives me a little bit more of a balanced look to the fly. It gives it rudders. The modern prince is uh, all synthetic mylar basically there's a whole story or article a couple years ago in fly tire about how the guy saw some mylar in a craft store and, and tied it onto the back of a prince nymph and that's how you have the fly formerly known as prince the hobo fly from out west i mean the first time i saw a hobo at chagrin river outfitters i fell in love with it i have one here in front of me on my magnet that is pink and blue with maybe four strands of lateral scale in it, a couple pieces of pink, Lady Amherst, and then plink, ice dub, blue flat braid, and a blue and black guinea fowl. And I think this fly is absolutely beautiful. It's just sitting up there. Steelhead hammer, invented by uh, Mr. Roosh up at the Salmon River, New York. Again, it's a little bit of flashback, kills fish, absolutely. Thomas will swear by that. Scuds, you got shellbacks on scuds. There's a variety of scuds out there. You can have ones with a plastic bag. You can have them with a piece of mylar. You can have them with a piece of flashaboo. There's a huge variety of tinsels and plastics and synthetics to put on the back of a scud to make that carapace. The Rainbow Warrior, it's one of the smartest accidental flies in the last 20, 30, 40 years. Lance on this podcast, I asked him, how long did it take you to develop and test that fly? And he said it was just garbage sitting on his tying table. And he put him together, tied a few, left them in his box for a year or so, went out, fished one, caught a bunch of fish. I love them because they're super easy to tie as long as I don't let go of the tinsel material. And you can tie them in pretty much any colors. You can wrap a wire up over them to make them a little bit more durable because some trout will tear up these synthetic films with their teeth. The larger the browns and rainbows, the more sharp their teeth are gonna be. Can't go wrong with the Zugbug, classic. It's got all that good old peacock curl. The Clouser Minnow, I'm looking at one that Bob tied right now, and it has pearlescent in between the pink and chartreuse of the fly. Crazy Charlie's, pretty classic bonefish fly. Works everywhere on the bonefish. It's got a little bit of flash in it. That might be all you need to make your fly stand out against the critters of the flats. Hair's ear. Mentioned that earlier. My goodness. And then you get a flashback hair's ear. What? Like the first time someone put bacon on a burger, they must have just been like, what? And that's what happened the first time someone put a flash on a hair's ear. Uh, Blaine's gummy minnow. The whole thing's iridescent. Juju Betis. You can't go wrong with Charlie Craven and his theory and fly tying and design. Uh, Poxyback Stone is another one. Mike Mercer, one of my all-time favorite fly tires. Eventually, I'm probably gonna have to give him a call. And then uh, the Halo Fly by Greasebound. So now let me look through my flies here and see if there's any others that I missed. Fly storage. So let's see. Black Hair's Ears, 
Uh, what do we have? Flashback. A lot of midges. Uh, brassies. I've got a shrimp here. Uh, whose shrimp? Pa this is an umqua shrimp. And it has white mylar wrapping up the body. So mysis. Uh, the Ginny midge is another pretty much all. So I guess the Ginny midge is basically Lance Egan's fly, just smaller. Uh, those are some of my midges. I don't want to drop this box. Hair's ears. Flashback, all sorts of crazies. A lot of pheasant tails in there. All right, let's put this one down. Notice these are all nymphs. I'm not going to have too many dry flies with iridescence in them. Let's see. Hickey's Condor has got some flash in it. That's a 20-year-old fly. This is a, a random box here. I've got my Mr. Bob's Lucky Day Poppers with a peacock crystal flash in it. I have some caddisflies with uh, some caddisflies and stimulators that have bodies wrapped in a synthetic with a little bit of flash in them. I have this bug, which I never want to fish again. This is the Bugmeister. That's another 20-year-old fly sitting in there. I hate that fly. It's got crystal flash. Double Humpy, nothing in there. Got some old Mr. Rapidans, nothing in there. Ossible Wolves, Wooly Buggers. Ah, here we go, some uh, Muddlers. So Marabou Muddlers. The body is wrapped in a pearl cord, and then there's Flashaboo throughout the back. Pretty cool, that box. All right, another box of nymphs. What do we have here? Okay, uh, the Holy Grail is a great fly. That's got some in there. I've got a flashback scud. A lot of pheasant tails, jumbo johns. What are these? I guess the clink hammer cider you could put something iridescent on. I've got some, no. What are these? Yeah, these are Mercer epoxy back stones. Hair's ears. Right, what else do I have laying around the office? All right, and then my flies, Shad Busters and Shad Jigs, Jumbo Johns. Uh, what else? We got the Damsels. We got Shad Puffs. Shad Darts, Shad Jigs, everything. It's got iridescent. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Yep, Jumbo Johns. I don't put any iridescence in my killer bugs, but I probably should. I got a whole bunch of orange bead crystal buggers here. Purple Jumbo Johns, black ones. Well, those are beads. Yeah, let's see. My frogs don't have any. I throw it into my gar flies. Cicadas had them. None in worms. Wow. So I think that pretty much sums it up. So the first podcast, you know, I was going out to find out what iridescence is and went down the wrong rabbit hole. In this one, there weren't that many materials that I actually use, but they're in multiple flies. So I hope you have a better understanding now of, of what iridescence is in science and nature. And you can explain it to somebody if you pass over something iridescence in the wild or in the store when you're out in the club. And you've got some flies that use them and the materials that go into them. And hopefully... This just gave you a better knowledge of, of what iridescence is and how we utilize it as anglers. And that is pretty much it for this episode. We're going to have, uh, hopefully, an interview or two next week. And we're going to see how my fall schedule goes. If you need me for everything, robsnowwhite.com. 
Fly Fishing Consultant Podcast on iTunes, Fly Fishing Consultant Podcast on Waypoint TV. If you would like to visit the links for any of my sponsors, they are under the podcast tab on my website. And that is it. I am going to go start my Friday. I have no clients for tomorrow because everything is flooded. So I am going to go hang out for the rest of the afternoon and then sit down and tie some flies with iridescence. Thank you for downloading the Fly Fishing Consultant Podcast. We're going to throw this over to producer Jason now. And while I'm saying that, I just noticed I have a huge hank here from Fly Tires Dungeon, which has a whole lot of iridescent materials. So uh, hit them up too. That's it. My name is Rob Snow White, and this is the end of my episode. Thank you for joining us for the Fly Fishing Consultant Podcast. For more information or to contact Rob, please go to www.robsnowwhite.com. This podcast is brought to you by Freestone Productions at freestoneproductions.com. A life that has the stories to back it. A life to be proud of. It's a Winchester life. Yeah, baby. 6-8 Western. Oh, I'm the old there, baby. Right there. Tune in every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. Brave anglers search for the one they call king, but who will take his throne? Tune in to Waypoint TV's Battle for Silver, Saturday, May 18th from 12 to 6 p.m. Eastern. Presented by Abyss Battery, Waypoint TV. On Mondays, head offshore with Captain Scott Walker and Steve Roger for breathtaking deep sea adventures. Coming to me, coming to me, coming to me. Double. He's jumping, he's jumping, he's jumping. Oh! oh. Look at that belly. Don't miss Mondays with Into the Blue. Brought to you by Academy Sports and Outdoors from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern. Tell a few fish stories along the way. On Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.